Hey, Cody. Hey, Andrew. And hello to all of you listening to this episode of Writing Naked. We're two writers who've decided to put our writing life online to help others write. And because we like to talk about writing. So each week we dig into the writing process. What is working, what is not, our wins and our failures, and we share them with you. Writing Naked is about being vulnerable on the page and on the podcast. Writing can be scary, hard, painful. But it can also be wonderful. Wherever you are, other writers have been there too. And on Writing Naked, we talk about it. So join us on this episode, Writing Naked, as we talk about what it is to get an idea off the ground. That's a really interesting way of phrasing that. When you say get an idea off the ground, well, there's two, two questions that, that appear there. One question is um, the question that everyone asks every writer ever, which is, where do you get your ideas? <laughs> and then there's a question that presupposes the idea, which is the one you just asked, how to get a, how to get the idea off the ground. I think as a writer, the ideas are thick on the ground and it's not a problem. The not people who aren't writers maybe don't really get to that point. Um, so I'm not going to ask the first question because I think we just presuppose that their ideas are there. Uh, there are tons of ways to generate them. In fact, we spent the po part of a podcast earlier talking about how to generate them. So, so then skipping that first question, how do we get an idea off the ground? So we have both just come off a, a little bit of time submitting some work to uh, a couple anthologies. Um, we were lucky enough uh, to find out about them, to carve our stories to fit that particular anthology. So I, I want to start with the idea of a themed piece of content. So mm -hmm. if you're writing for a journal or if you're writing for an anthology or if you're writing for somewhere where you want that piece to get into, and I'm leaning on the short pieces right now, and then I'll talk a little bit longer about long pieces like, well, novels and that sort of thing. But if you start with the idea that is often presented to you, if you're writing for a thematic piece or uh, an anthology, there's usually uh, an idea or a sense of what they want to write with. So one of the, the things that we both applied to, the theme was games. So write about gaming and, and games. And that was like a writing prompt for me, actually. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it wasn't enough. Not for me. How did you feel about it? I I love the I mean I'm a big gamer so I love the game prompt, um, and it immediately what encouraged me to go as far sideways as I could think of, while still holding on to the concept of a game. Um, so I went with string games, myself to create this whole thing, and then it, it ended up in Fairyland. But um, I that was uh, I mean that was that was. See what was really enough. They start the string game, start playing with it. Who's playing with it, and you know what does that do? Um, I think I was having a, a longing for cloud cover because I think we wrote this in, in I think in the spring. So it was mm -hmm. it was like rain had gone away. So I was like, man, I wish we had some clouds. So I had some clouds in there and. You know, it, it just came together pretty quickly, um, which isn't necessarily very explicative of of the writing process there, not to get off the ground. But I didn't do a lot of painstaking development here, it, for me at least. How about for you? How did that 
game come together for you? The I game think piece. That's the interesting part for me because I, I'm a gamer too. I, I love games, any games, board games, role-playing games, video games, you name it, I, I enjoy them. But for me, I got stuck. Um, right away, I had the idea that, okay, I need to write about a, a literal game. And the first time out, the first time I put my fingers to the keyboard and I wrote that that paragraph, I immediately rejected it, wiped the entire thing um, killed it with fire. And then I started again. And it wasn't until my third time through those first couple paragraphs that I settled on the thing that I absolutely needed. And what I always need is the stakes. For me, that has mm-hmm. to come first. What's at risk? And I think I was having a little bit of the same issue you were. It was rainy and and I wanted some summer. And but I had this this feeling or this idea of my soul. So I began to try to figure out, okay, if the soul is at stake here, what does this look like? How do I make a game that's surprising, that's speculative fiction, that has a soul at stake? And I ended up writing from that point, and it was very far away from my first idea. So this act of bending down to collect that idea was allowing myself to fail those first three times in rapid succession to wiggle myself into the space that was provided by the editors of the anthology who who gave us the theme. I had to figure out where was the Cody shape in that thing. I think that's a really interesting way of uh, analogy metaphor you brought there, picking, picking the ideas up off the ground. And I think, I think that's, that's kind of what both of us did there is, uh, you you know, you have this idea of the soul and then the game, and then you mix those together and you came up with the Cody shape. I had the idea of, you know, I want a string game, and then I like birds, and then some clouds, and then, you know, fairies because why not? And mixed that together and came up with an Andrew-shaped story um, about about loss and regret <laughs> and and string games. Uh, I think I think it is the matter of collecting those different interesting bits and then allowing your imagination to work on the different interesting bits ideally for me at least ideally unconnected because the more unconnected they are the more at least initially the divert the the sort of round roundness of the story can can Mm. happen If if the pieces are too tightly too tightly connected to begin with well then there's not much for you to do in connecting them and that makes the story very very narrow and and cramped almost right whereas if you have um well let's 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 say if i if i just throw out three three things computer cell phone uh television write a story about that pretty straightforward right but it's going to be very narrow in the sense that it's it's sort of puts you in this technology realm puts you in this maybe cyberpunkish kind of thing if that's in the genre but it's 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 a more cramped story. If I said something like computer, whale, um, uh, volcano. Now those are three very disparate ideas. And now the, now the question is, how do you get them to work together to create a story? And I think the one story is going to be inherently more interesting than the other story, if you can get it to work. And I think the art of the writing is picking ideas 
out of the the infinite number of ideas that swarm all around all the time, um, picking out some that are not so far apart that the reach to draw the connections becomes absurd. You have to do so much work of creating coincidences that doesn't make any sense. Compared to the far other end, the other side of the spectrum where the ideas are so cl tightly clustered together that there's no room to get a story in there at all. Hmm. Because the, the ideas tell their own story too loudly for the writer's voice to whisper in. And that's an, a fascinating point because let's talk about that too loudly because that can look like inspiration or can look like regurgitation. So <laughs> you can end up with uh, where you've pre-digested someone else's story and then you're writing it, especially at during a prompt because all of that stuff is still there. It's still in your bloodstream. You read a, a good Stephen King and then you sit down the next day and you start writing and it sure as hell starts looking a little bit like Stephen King. That noise, I think, is important because there. when you say elements that are diverse enough to draw different lines too, I think that is massively important because when the elements are tighter, it's usually, in my opinion, especially for me, an act of regurgitation. When I reach down to pick up that story off the floor, it actually belongs to someone else. And I begin mm -hmm. to wiggle it and shake it and try to make it into a Cody shape and it never will get there. So that part of developing a new idea is always dangerous because it's going to start to sound like something else or someone else. So how, how do you avoid that? So when you're sitting down and you're thinking of your idea and you're going to submit something, so you're writing thematically, how do you avoid the, the, how do you look for the inspiration rather than get stuck in regurgitation? I look for the bits of, of ideas the sort of, you know, what attracts the magpie eye, the little shiny bits on the ground that are attractive to me. And and the ones that are most sparkly to me are the ones going to, that are going to allow my voice to amplify. And the, the trick there is, is allowing yourself to be attracted to the ideas that are actually, that actually are interesting to you rather than the ones that you think you should be interested in or the ideas that are interesting to someone else who you like, so you sure you're interested in them too, or the ideas, the ideas that are particularly faddish at the moment, or whatever else, right? The idea is those ideas can lead you off what your own story is going to be. Does that make sense? It made sense to me. <laughs> it, it makes does sense. That, does that work with what you're talking about? It does. And I I feel that this is one of the hardest things to to kind of chew on as a writer, especially when I remember the newbie Cody sitting down to write and how often I was afraid to find the Cody voice, as you just said, the Andrew voice from these different things, what would make that resonate? Because I didn't even know what it was. I still struggle that a little bit. So in, in the circle of friends that I have, when they read my stories, they're always like, oh yeah, that's a Cody story. And it's really hard to pin down what that sounds like to me. Other people can hear it, but mm. I have a hard time negotiating with that. And I, I have at different times when I'm developing my pieces or ideas, it is a positive or it is a negative. Uh, maybe I don't want to sound like Cody this particular time. Maybe I want to experience, you know, something different inside my writing. But it's always that that idea of okay, how how do I sound like the best version of whatever this is? So mm -hmm. this we're we're peeling back from actual ideas here so it's not 
where do you get your ideas? That tried and true question that we've already kind of said, eh, we're not really going to talk about tonight, but I'm going to touch on it because it's not magic. Uh, we don't sit and wait for a little godly arrow to strike a smack between the eyes and inspire us. It is all the things that we see and feel and do in a given day and many given days. And just like what we were talking about with digesting other authors' work, that's part of it too. So where you get your ideas is, as you said earlier to me before our podcast began, it's on the floor with everything else. So it's kind of like, in my opinion, dressing yourself. If it's a mess down there, you're going to have some mismatched clothes or you may be wearing your partner's clothes. It's dark in the bedroom. Give me some break here. But the idea is how do you select those with the intention that you were mentioning earlier to create that Andrew voice? What's the process? What does it look like? Does it happen on the paper? Does it happen in your head? Does it happen in both ways? Yeah, it happens both. Um, you know, sometimes you start a story and you realize that there isn't enough there or you have a couple of ideas for a story and you know that there aren't enough ideas yet to create a rounded story right you only have two ideas you only have the whale and the volcano you don't have the computer yet and you need the computer to make the whole thing work you probably need more than that in that particular story case but um i i i i approach it as letting my attention alight and then then allowing my attention to you de develop. So what catches my attention when I'm looking around the world? All those possible ideas out there. Um, and then if something is interesting to me, and then if another thing is interesting to me, and then the third thing is interesting to me, those are three interesting things that it can turn into a story. Hmm. Potentially, if there's enough there, if there's enough meat there, or maybe I need to add a fourth idea and then let those jangle around together a little bit, develop it a little bit, maybe write a couple of times, write something about them or dream about them, you know, munch on them for a little while, like a week, and then try something. Um, I heard uh, someplace else, I forget where, but Tim Powers, uh, who's a very you know famous um, fantasy, dark fantasy writer, um, would he's known for his his pretty decent world building but specifically his sort of integrated deeply with the world sort of the world behind the world um and he'd do that by apparently one technique he, he he used was just to get some headlines or some story like from the newspaper and then imagine as if they were all connected together and then what the story would have to be behind those headlines if they were all if they were in fact all connected to the same story what would that story look like so that would be the the blind man and the elephant approach to writing a story right so you get a tail you get an ear you get a nose you get a trunk and you say okay now you're going to fill in the elephant and what the elephant looks like is going to be different for everyone who takes that approach even with the same starting ideas but that's that's kind of kind of what i do in general um, I may have some things I come back to, uh, trips, if you will, that I particularly like to play with, but that's sort of my, that is my approach. I like it. I, I uh, sketching the body of the elephant is fascinating to me because like you said, I agree. I think everybody will get a different idea, but it's also relevant to how we began tonight, which was, okay, what if you're writing for a theme? So part of 
the elements that you're drawing in to create the story. If you're writing for a theme for an anthology or a project or a contest, that's part of that that soup that you're making. That's part of the idea you added mm -hmm. into the ingredients to try to to fill it out. And then you get that big wave of anxiety, which is how do I make it special? But how do I make it not too special so it's no longer within theme? And boy, I can tell you any number of times where I have just zipped right past that theme off into my own La La Land and did not get that story where I wanted to get it because it was not thematic to the piece. Although it sure felt like it to me, even though I was riffing on it pretty strongly. But, you know, I don't believe those are failures. Um, I think part of the, the the writing process, even if you're aiming to submit something specifically to a journal or something like that, is was it successful when you were grabbing those pieces did it feel new to you and the new part i think is important um i have argued about this every time i've taught a creative uh, writing class somebody inevitably says hey cody we've told all the stories that can be told all right maybe we have but you haven't told that story yet or you haven't told it in the way that you would and riffing off of you you haven't drawn the same elephant i have drawn so it's still interesting yeah it's, it's successful if you do it it's a perspective of the, of the writer that matters um you know that is that is writer voice that is the individual perspective that's all you have is your view on things uh that's the only thing that's interesting comedians make their living by telling what their view is on things in a very funny way, right? But no one would go to listen to uh, who's a good comedian right now. Um, I don't know. Go to watch a comedian who is is pretending to be another comedian and telling a different comedian stories, right? Like that's that's not interesting. No one cares, uh, and no one cares if you if you're telling someone else's stories because it won't sound authentic. It won't sound interesting. It won't sound real. It won't sound rounded. It will sound artificial fake put on because it will be if you're doing something you're not interested in people can tell when it comes it comes out on the writing period there's just no way to avoid that even very good writers who are writing rotely for large numbers large large dollar signs the work comes out stilted wooden not their best work um i'm looking at a particular couple of writers who i won't mention on <laughs> by name but <laughs> Uh, and you see that with actors too, you know, they, they, someone paid them a very large, gave them a very large check to jump into this really bad movie. And, and you can tell, <laughs> you can tell often, um, we're starting to drift though, but with the idea of the blind man and the elephant, the, the, the ontology gives you one piece of that, the trunk, and then you have to choose the other ones. The interesting thing there though, of course, is that the, the person whether that's a, whatever market it is, whether it's an anthology or a, a, a magazine, they have their inside their mind, they have their idea of what the elephant should look like for that piece, right? So, so yeah, it's let's say it's an anthology about whales, and I come up with a story that involves a whale, a computer, and a and a volcano. That may not fit really the idea they had of what a whale story should look like. <laughs> And so there's always the unspokens that um, that need to inform if you're writing to a particular for a particular market, whether online or or, or anthology. Those unspokens that need to be read in as well um, as as other pieces of the elephant that you can fill in.
And those unspokens are a surprise and should be programmed for. So those wonderful writers out there who are listening to us, you are going to be rejected for having a good story that is just not thematically matching whoever is looking at it, whether that's an agent or the the anthology that you're aiming for. That's okay, because with Wiggle Enough, your whale volcano computer story um, might be able uh, to match something else, something you haven't noticed yet. So don't throw it away. Don't call it a failure. Don't kill it. Hold on to it. Where you get your ideas, remember, are from all of us and most especially from you. So that story is going to last. It's uh, the root of something, which leads me to longer works, thematic works that you're you're targeting for something. So we're primarily talking about short work, but it's the same for a novel. It's just over and over and over again. One of the, the things that I, I try to teach inside my novel writing classes is that, okay, you're writing a series of very small short stories that happen to take place from the same characters that are linked over the same period of time that are in the same world. And you're linking these short stories over and over and over. And it becomes how to eat a whale is by one short story out of a time, which begins looking more and more like one chapter or one experience at a time. So it means instead of one session where you're trying to grab these ideas off the floor, sketch the elephant, any of the metaphors that we were using, it is about repeating it over and over and over again until you find that room, that wiggle room. Mm -hmm. And finding the, finding the time to put that together as well. I think, um, I, I think this kind of, it kind of encapsulates uh, this idea of getting an idea off the ground, picking up off the ground, arranging it to a shape, filling in the, the, the dots, filling in the details, and seeing if it matches the the story shape that the anthology editors or the, the journal editors, uh, article editor, uh, magazine editors had in their mind. I, like you said, I just had a story rejected uh, last week. So mm. uh, sending out again, uh, that's what you do is because yes, that particular elephant didn't fit that particular editor, but there's an editor out there who would like it. Definitely. Um, every editor has a different elephant, just like you've said, but um, you can shop that around for as long as you like. Um, my favorite anecdote regarding that is uh, I had a story that I wrote almost 20 years ago that I ended up getting published just before um, uh, 2018. It just showed up. Uh, the opportunity arrived, the thematic content arrived, and boom, I sent it out and it was accepted immediately. Um, but that story had to wait around a long time. It grew a, a much wider beard than I have, um, a little uh, dust in its ears too, but it, it made it out into the world. And that's the important part, I think. Yeah, is that for sure. Not everything is as fast, goes as smoothly as with the Winding Paths anthology, which is the games anthology that we were talking about. Uh, coming up, this it's coming out next month and by uh, Demagogue Press. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, there was the second the second anthology you were talking about was the Cosmic Cozy, right? Uh, cozy Cosmic, yes, absolutely. Cozy Cosmic War. Yeah, that's right. That was a prompt, right? A Cozy Cosmic War piece. Um, mine did not get in. Yours did, and the uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. This particular story shape was. Uh, what what's what's the coziest thing I can think of? Pretty much brownies, I think, is pretty brownies knitting, <laughs> and um, I really like shopping at thrift stores. So I put those three things together, 
and turned into a, a cosmic horror piece about a guy who shops in a place he really shouldn't have, buys something he shouldn't have, and it gets worse from there. Um, you took a different approach. I did. Uh, I, I began with the idea of what is the horror inside coziness? Um, so I needed to go the other direction. I had to figure out what was scary about cozy were the places that we think are safe, the people that we think are safe, the things that we think are safe. Um, there's always enough horror in that uh, inside our, our, our given lives to where something that's very cozy, like in my case, chocolate chip cookies in the Boy Scouts ends up being existential horror um, because it isn't cozy at the same time. Um, it's the duality thing that fascinated me about the prompt. And I'm not sure exactly how successful I was creating a cozy cosmic horror. I think I created a cosmic horror that had a chocolate chip cookie in it. And I think that was maybe my elephant managed to squeak through the gate because of that cookie. I don't know. Well, um, that one is actually out. I'll put another link to the, where you can get that in the show notes if you're interested in buying it. I think that, what are your, any other thoughts you want to bring out on on turning ideas, getting ideas off the ground, picking them up off the ground and throwing up in the air into stories? That there is really no wrong idea until you can't write it anymore. Um, it's the very simplest mantra for a beginning writer. So if you're starting writing, if you're you're just starting this process and you can finish the story, that was a good idea. Um, if you cannot finish the story, that was a bad idea. And that's all. Um, and it doesn't mean that bad idea won't be useful later. So that's why I say never throw anything out, not a single word. Um, hold on to them because they tend to grow when you're not looking. So another way, instead of just talking about the blind man and elephant, another way of thinking about it is the story is a cake or the story is a cookie and flour is an idea and sugar is an idea and butter is an idea, but that's not a cookie yet. Got to add some egg. Now it's a cookie. Well, that's not even a cookie yet. Now you need to add some chocolate chips. Now you need to stick it in the oven for a few, few minutes, right? So you may have two of the three or the four, three of the four ideas you need to make that story cookie. But until you get that last one, it's just never going to bake into a cookie. You're just never going to be able to bake it. You could try, and you're going to get a something that maybe looks sort of like a cookie, but it doesn't taste like a cookie because you left the sugar out. Or it has chocolate chips, but not any butter. So it's just a brick. you know. So it's really getting those different story ingredients together and then baking them, and then you get your cookie. So we've used two big metaphors tonight. <laughs> cookies and elephants i don't know how well cookies and elephants go together but i feel like there's a story there if you just add a third piece well we obviously need a volcano so that's your prompt that's the prompt all right if you're out there and you write a story that involves a cookie an elephant and a volcano and send me that story i'll read at least part of it on on air (laughs) cody thanks so much Thank you, Andrew. It has been, as always, a wonderful night. And everybody remember to uh, subscribe if you like us um, and like us if you subscribe uh, so you can come talk to us again. See you next time.